0: Okay. Sounds quite a. Um, it's got kind of an upbeat vibe to it, this frog. Oh. So what do you far, mean by upbeat? I don't know. It's just kind of a, quite a positive call. Some of them sound a bit sort of haunting or scary. This one's just like. Sort yeah. Of. Yeah, okay. It feels like frog's sort of in a good place. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's I'm trying to think of what that frog looks like. I think it's going to be quite a barrel. Quite a okay, a frog. yeah, I
1: can give you... It's definitely a very distinctive
0: frog. Maybe it's it's not a toad then, it is a frog? It is a frog, yes. Okay, uh, a very distinctive Exceptionally frog. Exceptionally
1: distinctive, and its name matches its look.
0: Hmm, now I know that the other species we're going to be talking about is from Madagascar, so I'm going to lean into that. Ah,
1: context clues, okay.
0: But I don't know any frogs from Madagascar. You do, you just don't know you do. Is it called like... I'm just guessing... Is it like Carita Phryne or something like that? Is that even a genus of frog? I mean, it's not that, no. Go on, put me out of my misery because I just can't even it's think It's the of wonderful
1: guess. tomato frog. The tomato
0: frog? The tomato frog. Tell me more. Dysophus the
1: antongili. Anton They're like tomatoes. They're beautiful. They're not to be confused with the false tomato frog that also looks like tomatoes. Disgusting pretenders. Well, yeah. I mean, they do differ in colour pattern, but like, that's about it. Like, they're very, (laughs) they're very similar. (laughs) So these are lovely round tomato looking frogs that you shouldn't eat them because they do have a nasty skin secretion that can cause like local irritation, swelling sort of stuff. So don't eat them even if they look like tomatoes. That's a cast iron rule. About the size, well, six centimetres up to like ten centimetres. So Quite big? Yeah, I I guess so. In the grand scheme of frogs, yes. Yeah, they're from Madagascar, like you say. And um, what else bit of information do I have? Oh, (laughs) they lay between a thousand and one and a half thousand eggs at a time.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, alright. I just Googled it. This frog is exceptionally red. I mean, they're tomato frogs, man. Yeah, I don't have a problem. For some reason, if you name an animal after another animal, it winds me up. But if you name it after a food or a vegetable, it's not as bad. Like uh, you have like those banana boas. Although I, I can't remember what the scientific name is, but I, I like that. They come across some shipments in bananas. Call them banana boa. It's fun. It seems <laughs> a bit harmless. We did have this issue
1: with the coral-coloured species a long time ago. Oh, really? Where you didn't have a problem with it until you remembered that coral was actually an animal rather than a plant. Ah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Kind of, yeah, sort of walked into my own weird rule there. Yeah, but this tomato frog, I mean, it's very red. I can see why they called it that. Yeah. The disappointing thing
1: is that there is a false tomato frog, which I think is just unjust. And that should be called, like, the pepper
0: frog. Bell pepper. Yeah. It's not as red, though, is it, the false one? Well,
1: some of them can be pretty red, but... The regular tomato frog can range from like a yellowy brown to like a red as well.
0: Mm. I think apparently some people call the other one, which is Discofus guinetti, Mm -hmm. they call it the Sambava tomato frog from Sambava instead of the false, which is a bit nicer. That is better. But yeah, big, some nice big red frogs from Madagascar. And, you know, why are we talking about Madagascar? What made me think this might be a Madagascan frog? Well, we are talking about a Madagascan species for this episode. We're going to be talking about one of the most insane stories in the animal kingdom, let alone herpetology. The story of Labord's chameleon, first for Laborde. Um, We've talked about it in the past. This creature has a crazy lifestyle. It's really something to behold. It's equal parts amazing and kind of sad, the way they live their lives. But yeah, let's get into the paper. It's called Sex-Specific Movement Ecology of the Shortest-Lived Tetrapod During the Mating Season by Hoodle and Capilla, published in 2022, very recently in Scientific Reports. And yeah, these chameleons, Laborde's chameleon, first of a Labordei. They typify live fast, die young. Totally That fast. is this chameleon down
1: path.
0: yeah if you're not busy living get busy dying they are so short-lived it's tragic and they're known as semel which means they reproduce or breed only once in a lifetime
1: yeah it's not something you think about a lot with tetrapods, you think like insects. That's a, like an insect lifestyle.
0: Yeah, like a <laughs> thing a mayfly would do, right? Right. No, oh, yeah, I've been born, I'm on the waterway, great. Oh, I'll just lay my eggs and then Dead. get eaten by a fish. But you'd think a, an animal with a spine would have a little bit more about <laughs> it. And it is quite rare. There aren't many animals that only live for a year. And these ones come from deciduous dry forests of southwestern Madagascar. So I think people often associate Madagascar with just like luscious rainforest right but down in the southwest those forests actually lose their leaves in the autumn months so these comedians have kind of responded to that by having this insane life history strategy where they hatch out of an egg they live for just a few months they enjoy the leafy leafy trees and then they lay their eggs so they're alive after they hatch for just four or five months yeah
1: they spend more of their life as an egg correct
0: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah This is the life history, right? So they emerge in November, they're hatchlings. And at this time of the year, there are no adults. These hatchlings grow rapidly. They reach sexual maturity in two months. And then they reproduce in either January or February. And after reproduction, they visibly look haggard and old. And most of them, in fact, all of them completely die out in the sort of end of the season just after february and then you have this long dry season all that exists of the population are eggs they lay eggs and then they die and so there's like eight or nine months of these eggs hiding in the ground they then hatch just in time for the leafy leafy spring run around live fast and then sure enough a couple of months later the leaves have fallen off the trees and the next cohort dies
1: that bit where you're saying there's a period of the year where there are no chame- no labored chameleons visible. Only eggs. They're only eggs. Is just insane. It sounds like a cicada lifestyle or something. It's just nuts. Like, I can handle that with, like, migrations for, like, vertebrates. Okay, yeah, they're not here during this time of year. This They are there.
0: They're just in egg form, <laughs> and there's no adults. It's just bananas. And if you're trying to imagine what one of these little chameleons looks like, they're quite small. They're generally green with like a sort of uh, white stripe. Seven
1: centimetres for the females, about nine, ten for
0: the males. So they're these little small green chameleons and they have a cask. So on the top of their head, there's a big cask, which is like a big sort of helmet. And then on their nose, they have this like fleshy protuberance, which looks like a horn, but is actually soft. But the males have this and it's thought that it's like attractive to the females.
1: And it's pretty like outrageously over the top relative to body length because a mean length of 13 millimeters so centimeter and a bit for that versus a body length of around 10
0: over 10 percent of your body
1: right is i don't know how that compares to other chameleons because other chameleons have some pretty extreme stuff going on but what it does sound like to me is that that's a pretty like straightforward okay there is male-male competition and it's pretty pronounced
0: to warrant something like that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, or like sexual selection at least. Yeah, yeah. Looking looking out for the nice big noses. What a schnoz you've got. So yeah, they wanted to see like, okay, right, we know these animals live for like barely any time. They have these insanely short lifespans. But when they are alive, do the females and the males behave differently? What do they get up to? How do they operate? You know, like some chameleons... They'll just hang out in one bush and sort of like keep a territory. They did a there was a similar study done on the uh, mating strategies of chameleon, chameleon, the European chameleon, and they generally just have a tree and they will just pitch up at the tree. That's their territory, and males will mate with sort of nearby females. But in this species, they wanted to see what do they get up to, so they stuck radio transmitters again on a bunch of chameleons, and yeah, they just 39. tracked them for a f- thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they tracked them for a few weeks. During those sort of sweet summer days where the leaves are on the trees and all the chameleons are roaming around. And um, yeah, I mean, let's just talk about the differences, shall we? Yeah, Um, I think
1: so, because there's nothing particularly outrageous with sort of the methods other than they're just tracking them down multiple times a day and recording where they are and trying to get a bit of sort of behavioural data too. But really, we're talking about distances these tiny chameleons are travelling.
0: Yeah, well, particularly the males, right? So the males yeah. are kind of like trucking it around the habitat. And they were kind of not sure whether or not they'd see males like similar to the European communities guarding a tree and just holding sort of holding up and having a territory, but actually they saw the opposite. The males seem to just cruise around, moving quite long distances. And I mean we're talking like tens of meters, aren't we? Not huge distances.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's actually put some numbers on this. Wait for it. Yeah, so we had like The females move in like less than 25 meters from point to point, like 10. (laughs) Whereas the males were moving, were median of like 50-ish, but all the way up to like 125 times, which, okay, 100 meters in a whole bunch of hours between relocations. I think they collected data points three times a day for these guys. Yes. So that is quite a time period. But when you're dealing with an animal that's only 10 centimeters long, 100 metres is a long way to go, and it's not like they're just cruising along the ground all the time. They are off the ground up to maybe, what's that,
0: 10 metres up was sort of the highest yeah. they saw a yeah. male at one point? Because they mentioned there were a few that they couldn't catch because they were too high. Up. Right.
1: I mean, there's always going to be a sort of, like, a bias towards where you're spotting them for height, but uh, with the radio transmitter, you should that should alleviate that sort of sampling issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's easiest to find animals at face height. <laughs> yeah, because they're right. Yeah, there. they're right in your face, looking at you. Yeah, but yeah, so generally it seems like males move around the habitat. When they're moving around the habitat, they're mating with multiple females. They're not just finding one female. They seem to mate. One individual was recorded mating with like six different females, and they'd sort of like move around, find a female, mate with her, maybe guard her for a bit, and then move on. So they have this kind of, they call it a scramble mating strategy because they're sort of like just bowling around, mating with lots of different females. Each female is probably mating with lots of different males. But um, the males themselves also have savage, brutal fights if they encounter each other. They are intolerant of other male chameleons. Several of their tracked males had bite marks either at the base of their tails or cuts and abrasions either on their fleshy nose or around their jaws and that's probably a result when these chameleons fight they like both bite each other's jaws so they lock their jaws together and sort of like gets uh, you know bit of that (laughs) probably going for it um And trying to sort of like waggle each other off the branch. I mean, these animals, they're just little savages, basically. And so they have this kind of couple of months of just the males rampaging around, battling anybody they encounter, frenetically mating with as many females as possible. And in contrast, because the males are doing all this traveling, the females tend to be pretty sedentary. They'll just wait around. It seems like because it's this period of time which is incredibly productive in these forests it sounds like there's just tons of bugs around yeah. so the females because they're not driven to mate they're just chilling around they said that over half the time when they were observing females they would be catching bugs actively as they were looking at them so these females are basically just existing in this land of plenty the males are rampaging around tearing each other apart trying to mate with as many as possible and the females only really moved long distances once during the year which is when they were going to find somewhere to lay their eggs which is pretty consistent for themselves.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was a pretty pretty stark contrast. So they did a range of different like occurrence distribution sort of measures, so how what sort of area these individuals used, male versus female. And just as a very basic one, MCP, so Minimum Convex Polygon, draw a box around your points, 144 metres squared for the females and over a thousand for the males, for median. And I do realise I was saying about those distances moved, those were distances moved over the tracking period from their start point to their end point the numbers I said were wrong, the point was right, so like daily movements for the females were way way lower, like 145 metres over an entire day whereas the males were 330 metres and like what these MCPs are showing, the male movements are way more spread out, so you also had this additional um, you're saying about them being sort of combative shall we say yeah. all of these ranges there was a lot of overlap it's not like they've got these nicely separated out okay this is this male's territory and it overlaps only on the edges with another male like some males were completely covered by the movements of another and and vice versa the female ranges being so small are overlapped by multiple different males movement areas I won't call them territories because there's no there doesn't seem to be any evidence of territoriality it's just mass movement of these males covering huge areas or comparatively huge areas to their body size
0: yeah crazy lives crazy lives they're living unenviable existence i would say
1: yeah well and also like i said before like the sort of straight line distances are underplaying how much they're moving because the males are also going up and down in the three-dimensional space more so the females tended to have a more consistent roosting level whereas the males were up and down from ground level all the way up to
0: yeah, what was it? ten? Yeah, 10 metres. So it's just movement in all dimensions, everywhere. So, first of all, Laborde, Laborde's chameleons. Living fast, dying young. I think, just enjoy your life while there's leaves on the trees is their sort of motto. Although, I don't know whether they're enjoying it. If they're <laughs> males, they're just <laughs> That's furiously a charging around. The enjoyment of Laborde's chameleons. Yeah, just fighting anyone they can find. I think, to be honest, my advice to Laborde's chameleons the world over would just be, enjoy your time as an egg. Because once you come out of that egg, oh boy, <laughs> it gets real, real fast, and then you die after two months. So, yeah, I mean, the females, it's quite sad. It sounds like two, at least two of the females, they track them and they would lay their eggs in a hole in the ground, like an old ant's nest. Yeah. And then they would emerge like completely emaciated and unable to carry on and just die, which sounds quite bleak. I mean, you're studying an animal where. of the adult population dies at the end of every year. So I suppose you'd have to steal yourself for it. But uh, I can imagine that it's not very nice to witness anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just so dramatic. It's just so, yeah, (laughs) it's just outrageous.
0: I just love that chameleons have been able to evolve to exist in a place where it's only productive for like two months of the year. They're like, do you know what? Fine, we'll just become eggs. (laughs) Right, it's remarkable.
1: And so you'd sort of expect maybe other reptiles put in the same place would go into sort of dormancy or something for a period of time. These guys don't. I mean, I suppose an egg is a form of dormancy in some respects, but I would expect something on the individual level. I wouldn't expect such an extreme solution to come out of sort of the reproductive tactics. I would have thought that like metabolism would be your route to success in such an environment
0: what's it called there's a word isn't there for an e- being an egg for ages being an egg for ages i don't know yeah it's like putting off it's called like uh there's a word for it diapause Hmm. yeah diapause so it's like how do you define diapause diapause is a period of suspended development yeah Especially during unfavourable environmental conditions. So, yeah, I think we did a, another paper about this and basically the eggs don't do a lot for like a large period of their development. They just kind of wait.
1: They just wait in sort of suspended animation. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is all very alien.
1: <coughs> it's very insect. It is, yeah. It's amazing. One, uh, very cool. one extra thing to add before we wrap up that I thought was interesting because it brings us way back to a super, super early episode that we were talking about Anolis territoriality and how you had males that would defend territories, allegedly, and the whole paper was sort of questioning whether territoriality was the correct way of exploring Anolis competition, just specifically male-male competition, because number one, it sort of didn't touch heavily on the female choice, which they found to be important, but also you had these sort of different competing... Reproductive tactics for larger males and smaller males. You know, everybody knows of the sneaky cuttlefish example because it's the most extreme. Mm -hmm. And here we have something that looks like you described the male male combat, something that should push towards bigger males being more effective, stronger males or males that are better at combat being more effective. But it doesn't seem necessarily to be the case. So there might be some trade offs between being bigger and sort of being better at combat. And potentially moving, because that's what I f- wonder whether you have a sort of more streamlined, smaller male that can basically boost its chances by moving more.
0: Yeah, getting and out, right? Getting and out. Maybe don't bother with the jaw locking; just sneak away. Yeah, very likely. And if anyone hasn't heard of the sneaky cuttlefish, it's where. Some of the cuttlefish, as Ben described, are like big whoppers. They fuck they're just like, I'm huge And there's another type of cuttlefish which like basically they're all the same species, but they're some of the males they basically um try and look like females and then when the other big males aren't paying attention they'll just sneak in and mate and so their genes get passed on in a completely different much sneakier way and yeah it's right. likely that that could be the case for these labords chameleons which in a species which only lives for two months if you could have a phenotype which is like little and sneak it under the radar you think that'd be perfect yeah
1: streamlined fast yeah yeah and very good they say in the discussion that this they have an example of a smaller individual that moved essentially like one of the larger ones, like some of the larger ones. So it didn't seem like being smaller was necessarily a disadvantage for the movement
0: aspect, which is kind of remarkable. Hmm. Yep, and everything about them is cool. Laborde's chameleons, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So have you got any other business? No, I don't. Nope. Okay, so I've just got a couple of bits. So a few episodes ago, we were talking about Ralea Orientalis, that lung crustacean parasite that was infected. Oh, gosh, yeah. It came over with the Burmese pythons yeah, 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 yeah. and it's in all the other snakes in Florida. And we were talking about how the intermediate host of that parasite isn't understood. We don't know what the snakes have to eat. But there were suspicions it
1: that it was more likely frog and not fish
0: or anything else. Yes. Yeah. Well, we were contacted by a real-life RO. That's what people in the Ralea tiella Orientalis sort of research oh. space call it they call them ro <laughs> so yeah there was a real real life ro researcher called jenna noel palisano and she got in touch with us and she said that the life cycle of our uh, well she shared a paper that she's published basically on um ro and their kind of life cycle which came out in the journal of herpetology and essentially they discovered or they kind of confirmed that the life cycle of this RO parasite likely involves a sequence of three hosts where eggs hatch. Eggs hatch inside insects that eat poo. And then lizards and frogs eat those insects. And that's where the parasite gets into them. And then it goes from either frog or lizard to snakes. And what was interesting about the study is that it doesn't really seem to have that negative of an effect. The intermediate hosts, they seem to just be able to carry on normally. It's yep. only when yep. it reaches the final host that it start, you know, it burrows into the lung and starts causing a problem. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're saying that there's a lot of diversity in animals, frogs and lizards, that can actually be the hosts, be the intermediate hosts, which suggests it will probably keep spreading. I
1: was going to say that that seems to match up with the ideas that it will spread if that's less of a thing. Yeah. Wow. Oh, cool. Oh, good. That answer well and truly uh, answered. Question Yeah, answered. so
0: yeah, case closed. And the other thing I wanted to mention was there's a story last week, this week, about somebody got eaten sadly by a reticulated python in Indonesia. An old lady, which... Just a reminder, really, that these snakes do, in fact, prey upon people occasionally. And uh, I know we've covered it on the podcast before. We have, yeah. There's some groups of people that live in forests in Indonesia where, like, up to a quarter of the men have actually had experience of being attacked by reticulated pythons. But, yeah, this lady got eaten by one and um, her family went out looking and found a massive reticulated python. Sure enough, yeah, it it had eaten her, um, which is obviously very sad. And um, the snakes died. They reckon it was nine meters long i don't know if that's accurate or not but yeah <sighs> serious oof, very large oof. ambush predator and they can pose a threat to people just very very seven very meters. very occasionally yeah seven meters so 21 yeah. 21 feet but yeah sad story and just a reminder that it does occasionally happen and you know it's tends to be people who are living alongside the forest the last one was in 2017 that someone got eaten by one. Oh,
1: yeah i mean they're big snakes they're huge snakes
0: yeah and obviously the media reporting on this was absolutely dire yes well that is to be expected (laughs) yeah obviously all the all the bozos in news media love getting on board stuff like this there we go anyway that's it i think if you've got any corrections for us please get in touch herphighlights at gmail.com and we haven't mentioned it for ages but we have a red bubble store we've been selling a few t-shirts lately so yeah if anyone wants to have a look redbubble.com slash herphighlights and uh, yeah i think you can get in touch with us on social media yeah get in touch if we've got anything wrong but otherwise i think that all that remains to be said is thanks for listening
1: yeah thanks for listening